somebody in the corner would strike out and say, I love the Lord. He heard my cry. Welcome back to another episode of the Keep It 100 podcast. I'm Sam Steffen. I'm glad you guys are on. Join us for today's episode. We had a great episode today. Um, it's been one that I've been waiting for for a long time. Um, we were joined by Dr. Steve Tenney. He was an economist, or he is an economist, and he was a college professor. And I like to think of him as like a mentor of mine. You know, he taught me quite a bit in school, and I still learn from him. And, you know, I get to talk to him every once in a while. Um, and it was great. You know, we had a lot of fun. We did have some internet and some audio issues, you know, going throughout the podcast. The second half, we were fine, but the first half, we kind of had some issues. Um, so just bear with us. You know, we tried uh, the best we could. But with that being said, um, go ahead and enjoy the video. We'll see you guys later. All right, perfect. So first of all, uh, I just want to thank you for coming on. I'm super happy that I was able to get you on. This is um, a conversation I've been waiting to have for a long time. So, so thank you, first of all. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. So... The first question I have, you know, I kind of want to focus on, you know, kind of the, the state of the economy right now with, you know, the recession and all this, this fear that's, you know, that's going on in the market. Um, the first question, like for you is, I know you said this in class, like that you're an economist. So how long have you like been an economist and how long have you been in the market for? Uh, well, uh, I've, I've been an economist since... I graduated from graduate school, uh, which is, you know, pushing now 35 years or so. Uh, and I've been in the market pretty much a long time. Okay. Say at some level. Okay. I got you. Yeah. And is that, has that been quite a journey, you know, just kind of getting all that experience in from, from now until then? Well, yes, I mean, you, get, you see a lot of different things. You see a lot of market cycles. And uh, I was a financial analyst when I first started working. Uh, I worked as a financial analyst. And uh, so I, you know, I approached, approached the field from a different, different uh, perspective. It was more applied as opposed to theoretical. Graduate level economics is, is highly theoretical. It's very mathematical. Mm. Um, it, some people would say there's no relevance when you get to the PhD level. I don't, I don't know that that's really true but uh it's 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 pretty uh it's pretty specific it's it's not really related uh at that theoretical level it's not really related to the day-to-day -day activities of, of people doing applied research and, and trying to figure out whether a stock is a good value or something i got it I, I, I don't mean to diminish the field that uh, the theoretical models that are developed now by a lot of the people that are investments are, are frankly, a lot of these people have physics and math, pure mathematics backgrounds. Those, those are highly sophisticated mathematical models, uh, mathematical statistical models that are trying to project future uh, returns and so on, events, scenarios, and so on uh, in the market. And those, those aren't really relevant for, for most people that are just trying to pick stocks or build a portfolio mm. because they don't have the background. They don't understand the material, number one. And number two, it's not available to them. You, you just get the results of the model. Model might say, hey, you know, increase your percentage in fixed income by 5% or something like that. And right. you do it by looking at what would be a good buy. You don't have any idea really why you're doing it other than the fact you were told to do it. 
Mm-hmm, right. You know, there, there's a lot of other stuff besides just like picking stocks and like, you know, doing basic research that goes into that, you know, yeah. kind of stuff, you know, the equations, right. market patterns, and, you know, there's just a lot that goes into it. Um, how do like the Fed's decisions on rate hikes and, you know, money printing, how do they like affect citizens, like specifically in like the poor and more middle class? Well, other than driving up interest rates for mortgages, car loans, and, and so they won't affect credit cards too much. Uh, those are usually locked in for a period of time, but obviously they would dry those up. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest, uh, you, you think back and look at the Fisher equation, which tells you that nominal rates are a combination of expected inflation and, and, and real interest rates. And the, re- the real rate's not observable, but inflation certainly is. Mm-hmm. You can infer the real rate. But anyway, um, nominal rates being driven up like that uh, is going to make everything more expensive. And, and so many things are tied to nominal interest rates. Gotcha. Uh, present value, you know, financial asset prices and everything's values. So for people that are trying to buy things on time or credit, uh, other than the inflationary effects, uh, which are uh, obviously felt because interest rates are going up, driving up the cost of borrowing, but all the price indexes and cost of goods, when they see interest rates going up, people assume that everything else is going to go up in price. And of course it will probably, uh, uh, high likelihood anyway statistically so you would expect uh the cost of, of pretty much everything to go up well so like how long do you think like the market crash recession is going to pan out for oh i don't think it's a crash and uh it's really hard to say uh, my crystal ball is any better than anybody else's i think my guess is is that since monetary policy operates with a lag and uh it's the same with fiscal policy really um I think after the first year, I think things could dip a little bit, uh, particularly because there'd be some selling going on in a couple of weeks, I suspect. Uh, how severe a contraction? It's really hard to say. Uh, you know, maybe uh, it really depends on the labor market. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of lower end jobs, there's a lot of demand for labor, a lot of higher, there are some higher end jobs that are getting, that are getting uh, uh, laid off tech jobs and such, the tech companies are getting beat up pretty pretty badly. Yeah, I don't think by the end of next year, though, things should crystallize. I don't think that there's it's a recession. I don't think it'd be terribly severe. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a slowdown uh, as opposed to a recession. Uh, and I think perhaps by the end of next year, you know, this time next year, things are crystallized a little bit uh, and things will start to pick up. Remember, we have an election year coming up in, yeah. in a year from now. And, and typically, the county does fairly well in election years. So, and of course, Congress and politicians are going to do everything they can to stimulate the economy with the so-called political business cycle. So whatever contraction that I think is going to happen, I think it'd be relatively minor. Mm. Again, uh, surprises happen in the marketplace <laughs> and nobody knows for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, like you said, no one can really, you know, no one can predict the markets. I mean, that's just... It's impossible, you know. Um, if, if somebody tells you they know what's going to happen, turn, turn around and <laughs> run away from them. Because you got to run away from those people. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, knows. like you like you said, you know, like the, it's it's like the labor market right now too. You know, a lot of jobs are, you know, there's a lot of layoffs going on, a lot of hiring. I actually got laid off. I was working at Custom Pack 
um, over the summer and kind of at the end of last school year. And this summer I got laid off there. You know, they were super low orders, you know, just super low. You know, I don't know what that, you know, what the cause of that is, but it kind of happened the same time, you know, all of this stuff started to play out. Um, and I know there's a few other places like that that are in the same, you know, kind of problem. You know, they have to lay people off and cut hours and cut positions. And I think, yeah, like you said, that's that's a huge part of it. And typically what I've heard, and I mean, this could be accurate, not inaccurate. I've heard like 12 to 18 months is usually kind of the range they say typically. Is that is that pretty accurate? Or is it just kind of like depend? It's reasonably accurate. I mean, it depends uh, on, on some other variables, but that's a reasonably accurate mm. length of a, of a contraction. Uh, they're, they're, they're typically a little shorter than that. Uh, I think the average recession might be more like nine to 12, but you know, if you, if you have a t- nine to 18 month window, that's probably going to cover most of them historically anyway. Uh, if you want to look at one of the better indices, there's a couple of indices to look at to kind of give you a clue as to what might happen in the future. One of the better indices is something called the Baltic Dry Index. It's a, basically a transportation index. If you tend to look at transportation indexes, they kind of give you a pretty good idea of what's being shipped. And now being shipped is manufactured goods. It's not services. But it does give you a pretty good idea of what's being manufactured out there, what's being sent around the world. And it, to, you know, obviously, if, if, if that index is going up, that, that's usually a good sign if it's, uh, or stable. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily a good sign it's stable, but it's certainly not either a, a terribly bad sign. But if, it, if, it's, if the index is falling, it's, it's not good. Right. Uh, there's some other indicators that you could look at, but transportation indexes are usually, they're good signs. They help you to kind of read the tea leaves a little bit. Hmm. I never, that's very interesting. I mean, that makes perfect sense now that you say that. I mean, yeah, I've never actually, I'll have to look into that because that's very interesting. But do you, do you think there are ways that people can like benefit from like this, like stocks falling recession? Like, do you think people can come out of that like green? Oh yeah, absolutely. If, if your time rises long enough. Yeah. I mean, there's been no, uh, no asset class that's performed historically better than, than uh, uh, stocks. Uh, since basically we've been keeping track, but you have to be careful how you interpret that statement. It's, you know, you're looking at five-year periods, 10-year periods, uh, what class of stocks, you know, are they mid-cap, large-cap, and so on, small-cap. Uh, but f- for most people, for the long run, certainly younger people, people that are my age, the older people, you, you have to have stocks in a portfolio, but you have to be careful what you have in the portfolio. Uh, for somebody your age, you should be, highly invested in equities and, and, and not be worried about this so much. You should be looking at this as a buying opportunity, but you have to do your research. You can't blindly go out and throw money at the stock market. Uh, you really have to do your research or work with somebody that you trust. Some people don't like to do that. They don't like to pay for the services, but uh, it's like anything else. You pay for what you get. You know, if you think you're an right. expert uh, and you, uh, you just don't do very well, maybe you want to look at some professional help. But right. um yeah, no, I think I, I, I'm invested in stocks. I'm not, I'm not 100% invested. I wouldn't recommend it for somebody my age. But you need them. Older people need them for growth. Younger people need them for growth. Um, you don't know what the world's going to look like in 50 years. You don't even know what the world's going to be here, really. Uh, yeah, right. Honestly. You know, you know, we could blow ourselves up. Right. Uh, yeah, the way the world's going, sometimes you're <laughs> right. Seriously. <laughs> but, but, but the point is, is that you, you have to, 
which what younger people should be doing if they're serious about this is, is get out a piece of paper and write down you know five or six different uh, best case worst case scenarios and that just financially like what would be the worst case scenario thing in the world well it ends okay well, then you don't have to worry about it yeah. but but what if there's a what if there's a, some kind of apocalypse and uh, uh, paper money is no good what do you do then well, do I invest in cryptocurrency? Well, you kind of see how that's working. Well, <laughs> um, so, I mean, you, know, you kind of you have to think a little bit about this stuff if you're serious. Anyway, getting back to what I was saying, a well-constructed portfolio with equities is your best defense. Mm. But you should always have at least a little bit of fixed income. For somebody like you or younger people, go out to treasurydirect.gov and, and buy yourself you know, 5% worth of tips. Treasury inflation protected securities, because they buffer the they buffer the equity uh, uh, vagaries, which are bound to happen. And uh, the other thing is, you have to keep them for maturity, and you know that's okay. You get your principal back, you get the inflation back. There are tax problems with them. You got to be aware of that, so research that. But everybody ought to have a little bit of that. Everybody ought to have a little bit of gold. Uh, I don't have any cryptocurrency. I don't trust it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, especially with yeah, all no, I it's, it's, it's it's highly speculative uh, unless you uh, have a unless you're extremely expert in it. I would I would stay away from it. Frankly. Right, and I mean the crazy thing is about it, it's not even regulated. There's no SEC regulation at all. Like yes, and I, I would expect that to change. And I, I don't yeah. know if it's good or bad. I don't yeah. know if I if I don't know if I want it. But the whole idea was that it could be uh, an unregulated asset class where people could. You and I can exchange something, and and there were no regulations on it, uh, which of course would lead to some uh, situations that maybe weren't all that great. But but if you get regulation, then that's going to change the asset class considerably. So some people want that, and and other people don't want it. Um, I mean, the crazy thing is, you can see like I actually watched this video on YouTube, and this guy created a cryptocurrency just to like show people like how easy it was, and it's like. Anyone can just do this because it's not regulated right now. And I, you know, I know they are, they're working towards it in DC, you know, they're trying to figure out regulations, but it's just, it's, it's crazy. And especially, I mean, I'm sure you've heard about all the news, you know, surrounding FTX and the big scam. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Something new comes out every day. And it's like, this just gets worse and worse almost. Well, that's frankly why I would avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess I, I, guess I would stay with the, the tried and true asset classes. They haven't, uh, they've been uh, up and down over time, but in general, they haven't failed, uh, at least not miserably. Uh, but but again, you have to have a sense of perspective, a sense of time perspective. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's great advice for anyone. Just don't, you know, you got you to find what works and what doesn't work. And you just got to look at history and then do your research, obviously, and figure out what's good for you, you know, and then go from there. Yeah, just remember the old line that, that history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Yeah. So you can't expect... You can't expect things to be exactly the same. Otherwise, forecasting wouldn't be an issue. But um, again, if you do your research and look at general trends, historical trends, they often persist into the future. They may be somewhat different, but uh, there is something to be gained from looking back at past trends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so here, here's a hypothetical question for you. So if someone came to you right now with $1,000 and they kind of asked, asked for your advice, what, what would you tell them to do with $1,000 right now? Well, first of all, it depends on how old they are. And then it depends on your risk tolerance. But the general answer 
would be, let's say if you're, you're 25, okay? I would put 90% into a good uh, equity fund, mutual fund, an ETF, you know, an index fund. I wouldn't worry about that. It's only a thousand bucks. And I'd put the, I think I said 90%. I think put 90% in index and then I think I'd put 10% in, into, uh, or maybe only 5% into a, 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 a tips account. If you're older, uh, you were 60, 55, 60, 65, near retirement, in retirement, I would certainly reverse those. I would look at maybe 20 to 30% in equities and maybe more towards fixed income or, or bonds. And bonds can get beat up. Uh, and this is not a good time for bonds. But again, I'd be looking at something that's a little bit more conservative, like, like the tips. Uh, again, I want to state that, that equities, there's a place for equities in every portfolio. It just depends on your age, risk tolerance, and the type of equities. There's a difference between large cap growth stocks and small cap value stocks. Small cap stocks have, tend to do well when the economy is taken off. Well, if we're going into a recession and the economy begins to take off, then those stocks will probably do okay. And large cap growth will, will wait, you know, there'll be later cycle stocks. So you, that's why I'm saying you have to go back and look at this. But that's what I would do. I would, if somebody had a thousand bucks, that's what I would say. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And actually, I have a hundred thousand. The percentages would remain the same. Mm, okay. And I actually have, I remember in the last day of the investing class that we took, I think we have that same ratio. It was like 90 to 10%, or 90% to 10%. I think I have that same ratio written down. Well, it, it tends to work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, I've seen people go in with that strategy. And I mean, yeah, it, it works perfectly. I mean, for majority of the time, but. What, what do you think are some like great, like long-term? So let's say like for someone my age, like trying to retire, so save up for retirement, like what's, what's a good like long-term um, investing strategy for there? Well, again, I keep coming back to a, a, a solid balanced portfolio uh, that you adjust maybe, maybe quarterly, but certainly once a year. Uh, I wouldn't get too worried about looking at it every other day. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> right. But um to build a balanced portfolio is, is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. You have to have all the asset classes uh, in them, which the general asset classes are cash, which would be uh, money market funds, uh, equities, and fixed income. But there's other asset classes. There's real estate. There's various derivative assets. There's uh, commodities and so on. And also, again, you're getting a little bit special in the special asset classes there. But just in the stock universe, uh, you have to have large cap stock, mid cap stock, uh, small cap stock, then small cap growth, small cap value, and so on. So you, you're, you're talking about a matrix with, for just the stocks with a minimum of, of nine cells in it. It's, it's difficult to build a, a, a portfolio, mm. uh, much more difficult than people think, which is why I say that a good, uh, a good set of indices uh, or a good market-based index is probably the best way to go for most people. The, the fees and costs are low. And there's been a number of studies that have been shown over time that it's very difficult for portfolio managers, professional portfolio managers to beat an index over time. It happens. Uh, people get lucky for a couple, three uh, years. There was one case where a fellow named Bill Miller who used to work for T. Rowe Price beat his index for something like 17 years straight. Uh, which is a, a phenomenal record. Uh, the statistical chance of it happening is, is it's astronomically low, uh, but it can happen. Uh, 
but to build a portfolio is a lot of work. You got to pay attention. You got to know what you're doing. You got to adjust it. You can adjust it with put overwriting, call writing, all kinds. But for most people, uh, most of the time, they lack that kind of expertise. Again, a portfolio built with 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 uh, a solid portfolio base built with indexes, in my opinion, is the best way to go. Uh, mm -hmm. ETFs, and then you, you can branch out from there. You can look. Maybe I want to have a little bit more here, maybe a little bit here, and then do my research. But a good set of indexes that cover the um, total stock market index, total bond index, and some uh, you know money market fund, good cash index, or good cash uh, 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 component. Over time, that will perform pretty well for you. It's a good starting point for most people. And as I said, then as you become more sophisticated, then you can add and subtract, mm. adjust it. Yeah. I mean, I actually read a study recently. They said over time, you know, since 1928, I think it was the S&P has been averaging about 12%. I mean, over all those years, which compounded after all those years, that's going to be pretty good for you. I mean, if you yeah, start early. And yeah, the, the question is, you, you got it. Okay, that's 12%. Now, is that before tax and before inflation? But, but even, right. even if you take inflation and taxes out of that, okay, it's still going to be outperforming most assets. And that's my point. There was a study that was done. <clears throat> I can't quote the authors because I frankly don't remember them. I think it was Brown and somebody else. But anyway, there was a study that was done a number of years ago uh, that uh, indicated that well over 75% of the returns in a portfolio is not necessarily the stocks that were picked or the, or the bonds. It was how the portfolio was allocated. In other words, 50% stock versus 60% stock, 50% uh, fixed income versus 40%, that kind of thing. So that's what I'm saying. It's, it's get the indexes, figure out the percentages you want to have for the indexes, rebalance once a year, uh, maybe quarterly if you want to get a little neurotic about it, but I think that's excessive. Mm -hmm. um, maybe twice a year, but certainly once a year. But for most people, that's that's what I would advise. And I just save you a lot of money by telling you that. It's, yeah. Because that's what most advisors are going to do anyway, frankly. Right. I mean, the same type of thing. Do you uh do you do you like a Roth IRA too? Like, is that pretty pretty solid option? I have. Room? I think that I have. Uh, I would advise people to have IRAs. I have IRAs. I have various components. I think most people should have. You know, again, depending on how you want to have the hit. When, when you retire, you want to have tax-free income. For most people, that, that would it'd be IRA advantage. Some mm -hmm. people like to have the cash up front. They just want to have the regular IRA. Yeah, um, yeah. Kind of depends on your perspective. I like the tax-advantaged IRAs. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So the last question I have for you, it kind of goes back to like the crypto um, thing. What did you, uh, did you ever hear about like the NFTs, all that yes. stuff going around? What, what did you have to think about all that stuff? Well, um, it's an interesting asset class. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, you could, you could, I, I don't know that having an NFT hanging on my wall is all that valuable because <laughs> people like to have art, you know. Uh, I don't delve in it. I know about it. I, I don't necessarily recommend it, but, but everyone has different tastes, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> if, if, you know, if, if you don't know much about it, again, I'd stay away from it. If, if you think you know a lot about it, uh, if you think you're an expert, then you know, be my guest. But I don't, I don't partake in it. I don't have any plans on it. Yeah, that was uh for me. That was a uh, I, I bought one, and it was I was like, why did I buy this? <laughs> it was, yeah. it was a terrible investment. But you know, I, I I did my research, and I was like, I felt really good about it, and it, you know, bad investment. 
that, well, then it's a learning experience and take it that way. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, it's a learning experience for me. It was a lesson. I'm like, okay, you know, I've learned, but now I have a picture of a little animated monkey. That's I'm like, well, I have it now. I guess I'm the only person in the world who technically owns it. So yeah, <laughs> but, well, something that might be worth a million dollars. Right. You never but know. You, you take that as a lesson, right? Sam? Okay. Because we all need bad investments. We all do stupid things or rash, rash behavior or what have you, however you want to describe it. And, and that's okay. We're all human. We all do that. That's how you learn. You know, if you don't learn from your mistakes, then then you shouldn't be investing. Have somebody else do it for you. Right. If you learn from your mistakes, that's a valuable experience. And I yeah, and I've actually um I've been sticking with you know the options. I'm just trying it and you know, just just learning about it, just trying it. And what I've been doing for the most part has been trading on like Investopedia, you know, where they give you the cash. Right. And I've, I've been, and I've actually traded with a little bit of my own money too, not much, but I've learned, I've made those mistakes and like overall, like I've learned and, you know, it's really helping my growth towards getting better at that. You know, I know what to do, what not to do. And I need to learn. I know what I need to learn basically. Like, you know, it's very, very helpful actually getting the experience and actually getting the the mistakes and like having that feeling of, oh, I just messed up. I just lost money. You know, it, it, it's very beneficial. I think, you know, that's how I look at it. It is, and be careful with derivatives. Uh, they can be reckless or conservative, depends on how you use them. I'm a fan of them, but you got to know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but be careful with them. Uh, I, and I would stay away from futures, uh, even though they can be very conservative, I'd still be very careful with them because they're marked to market. You know, you know, they can really turn against you quickly with the options, you know what your loss is going in. Right. Uh, the CME is a good website, a lot of educational resources there. I look at that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've actually used CME quite a bit. Yeah, I'm right now. I, I outside of what we've done in class, like I know nothing about the futures market. I'm just like, I'm staying clear of that. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would avoid that. And, uh, you know, the professional traders, uh, I, I would avoid the futures. Again, I'm, I, I like futures. I'm a fan of them. I think there, there's a very useful purpose for futures and forwards contracts. But for an individual trader, unless you're in the pits every day, uh, I'd stay away from them. Frankly, options are a little bit different story, but but they can be they can be dangerous too. You have oh, yeah. to understand what you're doing. Yeah, that's I mean that's just the biggest thing. You know, you can't go in and just expect to win right away. You got you got to do research. You got to have the experience. You know, you have that's to right. know what you're doing. And yeah, that's the biggest thing. I see a lot of people who are like, I'm gonna try this, and they lose five hundred dollars. I'm like, well, you can't just I'm gonna try this. You know, you got to put forward research you got to do you got to do a lot before you can just jump into a, a call or a put you know like there's a lot that you have to do well there is and you can still lose your money with the research but again if you take that as a learning experience and, and get something out of it you know even if you say i don't want to do this anymore well that that, that could be a pretty cheap lesson too right and the biggest thing that i've learned too is you know you can do all the technical analysis too but sometimes that's not even gonna you know be accurate like like we said earlier you know no one can predict if, if you find someone that says they can predict right. the stock market you got to run away like that's right it's, it's impossible though so, you know it's always what i've learned too is instead of trying to predict you try to react you know and try to figure out what to do based on what's happening rather than what you think is going to happen because you're probably wrong if you think you know something's going to happen over time i think that's a good statement sam but i would also add to that that trying to anticipate trying mm. to be proactive instead of just entirely reactive the people that do the best uh, in the investing world are proactive. They don't necessarily, again, I go back to what I said a few minutes ago, the crystal ball isn't any better, okay? But but they do tend to 
they anticipate a little bit better. Okay, and it, it, I think they, I really think that's just a function of putting the time into doing the research. Uh, nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to get it right, at least not all the time. Uh, but if you do, if you do the work, uh, you have a leg up on people that don't. You at least have a better chance. You're going to increase chance favors the prepared mind. Yeah. And there's a famous quote by Louis Pasteur. And that's not the whole quote, but it's it's embodied in the quote. So if, you know, chance favors the the, the uh, prepared mind. Uh, uh, take advantage of the quote. He's trying to tell you something two hundred years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think, and honestly, I think that quote you can. That's like um, anything you can use that for anything. You know. Yeah. You got to take advantage of it. But well, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me. This has been really awesome. I've learned quite a bit here. And so I, I really appreciate it. So thank you for coming on. Well, thanks for having me on, Sam. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's a good time. time. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you guys for watching this episode. I hope you guys learned something. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. And remember, we're on Spotify. We're on YouTube. And actually, go follow my Instagram too. Keep it 100podcast.ig. Go check it out there. We got snippets and clips and news and all sorts of things on there so go check that out if you haven't checked that out uh, but with that being said thank you guys for watching and we'll see you guys in the next episode